Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody back to another episode of the Animals to the Max podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Wow, 2022 is almost over. I can't even believe it. This year has flown by. I feel like we always say that, right? Like it's the trigger response when someone asks how, you know, your year was. You're like, oh, it just flew by. I just, I feel like as I get older, time flies. And I feel like I was just recording my 2021 recap. And here I am again, about to record the 2022 recap. Now, I've been doing recap episodes on the show for, I believe, the last five years. It's kind of like a tradition on the Animals to the Max podcast where I go through each month. And I've kind of switched it up the last couple of years where instead of me just blah, blah, blah about each month, I actually go through the month and then I kind of mention a lesson that I learned because I'm always learning new things and I figure if I mention the lessons I learned maybe they can help you or maybe I don't know you'll find some of these stories interesting now if you don't care about what's going on what's happened with the animals and I and you just want to hear animal interviews please go back and check out the rest of the show we have over 200 episodes with guest interviews go check it out but I am gonna just kind of go into 2022 and I do want to say I'm recording this actually in the morning so if my voice sounds a little hoarse um i'm i I mean like have my coffee right here but it kind of sounds like i have a scratch in my throat it's just because it's the morning that's why i kind of sound like a frog but let's get to it and by the way i just want to say before i hop into it i love how i said let's get into it by the way before i get into it i just want to thank you for listening to the show you know if you are a fan of the podcast you'll know that 2022 i definitely stepped back from the animals to the max podcast and it's not because i wanted to it's just because i literally did not have the time i have just seen a complete switch in my career trajectory from me being a podcast host doing these live animal shows to literally now i'm a full-time creator on youtube and a full-time creator on our other platforms like tiktok and instagram and facebook and it takes a lot of time to film videos, to edit the videos, to get them out, to respond to comments. On top of that, I'm also caring for 30 plus exotic rescues. So I know it sounds like I'm kind of making excuses, but that's the reason why there haven't been as many episodes of the Animals to the Max podcast. So anyway, but I promise I'm not canceling the show. I'm still here and let's get to it. Let's talk about 2022. In January, I learned that things take time. Actually, on New Year's Day, on January 1st, 2022, I surpassed 1 million subscribers on YouTube, which was a huge milestone. I uploaded my first YouTube video in 2008 and then kind of took a break and then kind of posted one every now and then. And then I really went full force on YouTube probably back in 2020. But I remember things were really, really slow and it got really depressing at times when I would put so much energy and effort into filming a video, releasing it, and then having no one, you know, watch it that just crushes your soul. So I really learned that things take time and I've always had perseverance. I feel like 
you know, ever since I was a kid, I've always been pretty determined and I'm so happy I never gave up. So I just want to say, if you have a goal out there and you want to accomplish something, whether it's YouTube, whether it's a career, whether it's, I don't know, a, a destination or I mean, anything, a fitness goal, remember these things just don't happen overnight. And I'm so happy that I never gave up. I've been pursuing a career working with animals in the media for years. I want to say for over 20 years. I mean, right after I got off The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, which I was 14 years old. By the way, it wasn't something I ever thought that I would do, you know, like land on a talk show showing off my animals. My my mom had came across a talent scout audition where The Tonight Show was looking for weird teenagers. And then she submitted my name because apparently she thought I was weird and I had a bunch of rescued animals. Anyway, I remember getting off that show thinking, wow, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to work with animals on TV and I would love to have a career. And it has been quite a journey since then. And it's been a really difficult journey. And I've heard a lot of no's and I've heard a lot of people uh, tell me that, man, maybe this path wasn't for me. And a lot of people say, ah, why don't you just go get a regular job? Like, you know, what are you doing with all these animals? And aren't these animals holding you back? And gosh, I mean, look around you, everyone's getting married and they have homes and these normal jobs and you're still, you know, working with these animals. And anyway, I'm just so happy I never gave up up. And I'm so happy I'm still pursuing that dream, you know, of working with animals in the media. Maybe it's not exactly on television like I had dreamed when I was 14, but now it's online. It's a complete new world. It's it's where everyone is. So I'm so happy and thankful for things like YouTube and TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. I mean, I could just go on. So anyway, I'm so happy I never gave up. In February, our baby tortoises started hatching, which actually I should say the first tortoise hatched on January 30th, 2022. That was Tucker, but the majority hatched in February. So I think of February as the tortoise month. And I have in my notes, you know, just be careful because you could end up with your hands full. When my tortoise Tinkerbell She's a sulcata tortoise. When she laid eggs back in November of 2020, she had crushed the majority of the eggs because what happened is she had laid them inside the tortoise house. Uh, she didn't have access outside to dig like she normally does because it was too cold outside. So she laid eggs in the tortoise house. I walked in. The majority were completely crushed. Now, to be honest with you, she lays eggs every year. She lays them, I want to say at least three times a year, maybe four times a year outside. And I don't usually ever incubate the eggs. At this time, when she was laying them in the tortoise house, I thought, you know what? Why don't I just put a couple eggs aside? So I actually picked up six eggs, put them in a container, like a plastic container, like a Rubbermaid container full of vermiculite. And I put six eggs in there and I thought, what the heck, you know, let's just kind of see what happens. Back in 2009, Tinkerbell laid 18 eggs. And in 2010, I hatched actually 17 of those 18 eggs. One of the eggs was a bad egg. So I had 17 babies. So I was aware of what could happen. But it had been so long and I thought, oh, we should just see, like, it would be interesting to document this. So I rescued the six eggs. Now, it turned out one of the eggs just was bad. It actually 
I had opened the container one morning in the animal house, just checking on the eggs, which by the way, what I did is it was very minimal. I, I put the eggs in a Rubbermaid container full of vermiculite. I put them on a heating pad in the animal house, which typically stays around 80 degrees. And then I'd miss them twice a week. So during one of the times that I was misting the eggs, one of the eggs had just exploded. It was like the weirdest thing. It was like all the contents of the eggs, just like all the gases, everything just poof, exploded. So I was left with five eggs. And I thought, hey, you know, what's going to happen? Long story short, in February, the majority of those eggs hatched. And I'll tell you what, I definitely had my hands full. But the baby tortoises have been one of the biggest blessings, I'd say, for us in 2022. It has been amazing to document their journeys online. And it feels like, like the audience, my audience has just fallen in love with them. In March, I learned to never underestimate the power of a baby tortoise. So if you have been following the journey of the baby tortoises, all four of the sulcata tortoises hatched within a few weeks of each other, except one egg. Like this egg would not hatch. I remember it was the weirdest thing. Like I had these four baby tortoises. They were all thriving. They were eating. And then I just had this container with one egg in it. And I remember people were saying like, why don't you just toss the egg? Like, is it a bad egg? I remember when we would look at the egg and try to candle it. It just looked off. It was really odd. It looked like the egg had like a bubble in it. Like there was some dark, but the egg had like a bubble in it. It was really, really weird. And I thought, well, this could be a bad egg, but you know what? I'm not going to toss it. Let's just see what happens. One month and two weeks later, our miracle baby number five hatched. Now I noticed immediately when this baby hatched or started hatching, I should say, because I had to assist with the hatching, I noticed that there was something severely wrong with the shell. It had looked like the top of the shell, the carapace was completely smashed in. It looked like someone had stepped on the shell. And I remember I was just so sad and upset. And I went inside the house and I told my wife, I said, honey, I don't know what we're going to do. I just don't know if this baby tortoise is going to make it. And I remember her response was, well, I mean, should we take it to the vet and possibly have them euthanize it? Which it sounds horrible, but like we wanted to make sure this baby had the best quality of life. And if it's going to, you know, be smashed and have problems with its internal organs, like it just it just would not have been good. And it was just it, it was just a sad situation that they this the shell was smashed. Not only was that a problem, but the egg yolk sac that the baby tortoises are born with that provides the baby tortoise with nutrients as they climb out of the nest and they usually absorb that into the body within a few days that yolk sac was literally stuck to the bottom of the shell like it was literally glued to the bottom of the shell and it was starting to bleed so i was so afraid that you know not only is this baby you know suffering because it has this messed up shell but then is it gonna start i don't know having problems with an infection so I immediately, once I noticed that the egg yolk was was stuck and we had given the baby a, just a couple days, like a couple days grace period to hatch. We noticed no hatching was going on and that's when I noticed it was stuck. I put the little baby in a tub of lukewarm water. So very, very shallow tub, I should say, or a little dish of lukewarm water. And I helped kind of soften that egg yolk sac with the shell, like against the shell to kind of loosen it. And I don't know, after 15, 20 minutes, the egg yolk sac 
was able to detach from the egg shell. But as that happened, the egg yolk sac started bleeding. It just, you guys, it was a complete mess and I did not know what was going to happen. I put baby tortoise number five in a container with some paper towels. I kind of misted him and just on a heating pad and thought, well, let's just see what happens. Maybe this little guy will absorb that egg yolk sac. And I'll tell you what, this tortoise was a fighter. Five days later, that egg yolk sac was completely absorbed and I was able to introduce number five with the babies, which mind you, all the babies were twice his size. Number five was the runt and I documented all of this. And by the way, I should have said this earlier on in this podcast, but if you are a visual person and you want to see all of this, please, please, please go check out my best of 22 recap video. It's on my YouTube channel. I'll put a link in the show notes, but I literally have documented all of this so you can visually see what was going on and that will give you an idea of you know how severe and how serious the situation was but so happy to report number five is doing great now number five is as big as all of his brothers and sisters i learned don't ever underestimate the power of a baby tortoise in April, my wife and I took my mom to Grand Teton and Yellowstone National Park, and it was one of my favorite trips of 2022 for sure. And I'll tell you what, if you have not been to either of those parks, Grand Teton or Yellowstone, I highly, highly recommend taking the trip. It is just, I mean, some of the country there is absolutely breathtaking and, you know, along with the animals, it's just, it really is a treasure we have here in North America. That sounded so cheesy. A treasure we have here in North America. You guys get the point, right? Well, anyway, I learned that you don't have to take 13 to 15 hour daily safaris in Yellowstone or Grand Teton National Park. Now, let me explain. We would get up around 4, 4.30 in the morning and be out on the road by 5 in the morning. And we would drive up and down Grand Teton National Park looking for animals. In particular, we were determined to find the famous grizzly bear 399 because she had five cubs. Did she have five or four? either five or four cubs. Anyway, the cubs were actually sub-adults. They were like two years old. So super famous bear. If you have not ever heard of 399, just Google her. We were determined to find 399. So we would get up super early, be on the road by like 5 a.m. I think one of the mornings we were even on the road at like 4.45 a.m. And we would drive up and down the park all day long, up and down until dusk. Like I'm telling you, there were no room for breaks. We would just drive up and down. And I, I guess I should say we did stop for lunch once, but it just was this continuous up and down trying to find these animals. And when you are, you know, searching for animals, the best times of day to see animals are going to be in the morning and usually like super late afternoon going into dusk. That's the best time. The middle part of the day is usually not the best time to see wildlife. Now, of course, there are always exceptions. So please don't, you know, write me an angry DM and say, that's not true. I saw a bear at two o'clock in the afternoon. Like, you could totally see that, but for the best chances of seeing wildlife, especially the animals we were after, they're crepuscular. They're active at dawn and dusk. Well, anyway, long story short, we drove up and down. We did not see a darn thing for days during the day, and we were exhausted, like physically exhausted. We would come back to our Airbnb and be completely drained. And so what I learned after going to Africa later this year, which we'll get into Africa when I go into November, is 
you don't need to do 13 hour safaris. You can do a morning drive and you can do a late afternoon drive and you can take a break in the middle of the day and that will make you so much happier. Not that I wasn't happy, but you know, my body was really, really sleep deprived. And I mean, when you start losing sleep, you become delirious and it's just like going up and down. It's just, I think for everyone's sanity, take a break when you go on these trips. And next time we go to the Grand Teton National Park or Yellowstone, we're going to follow the same formula we did in Africa. Get up super early, go for a morning game drive, maybe until 10, 10 30 AM, take a nice break, go back to the room, maybe rest up and then head back out around 3:45, 4 o'clock. In May, I learned that you can't always depend on the alligators to eat for Mother's Day. I remember I was so excited to film with my mom who loves her alligators. If you follow our YouTube channel, you'll know that she calls them her grand gators. I said, Mom, I have this great idea. I want you to feed the alligators for Mother's Day. And it's something we've done for the last couple years. It's super popular. People just love when I stick my mom in there and she just gets to go and feed the alligators and she interacts with them. It's super fun. Well, had this great plan of filming this and she walked in to Chompers, the alligators exhibit. And I remember Chompers was basking outside. So mom walked into the indoor portion of her habitat and tried to put a piece of chicken with tongs through the alligator door to try to entice Chompers to come inside and eat. And Chompers was not having any of it. It was so funny. Like she was just, it was like crickets. I think I even put the chirping crickets in the background of the video because it was like all this anticipation and mom offers this beautiful piece of chicken and Chompers is like, nope, I'm not going to have it. So I'll tell you what, I don't know what's going to happen in 2023. I'm hoping the alligators will eat for my mom. I ended up having to use some footage. I believe I shot in 2020 of mom feeding Sonny the alligator for that mother's day video. So I learned you can't always depend on the alligators to eat. They're on their own schedule. In June, I started my summer residency at the village at Meridian here in Idaho. Now, if you're not familiar with the village, it is an outdoor kind of shopping mall, but it's like upscale and they have a nice fountain and they have like a nice square where they put on community events. And for the last few years, I have been doing live animal shows outside during the summer and they have been so much fun. They have been extremely popular because it's something for people to do in the community and it's free and you get to take your family and then go out to dinner after the show at the village, which has amazing restaurant options. I'd say I learned after all the shows we did this summer at the village that I'm ready to up the production scale of my shows. I am ready to introduce some new animals to the shows. I am ready to try to kind of switch the shows up a bit. I feel like they're getting to the point where so many people are coming out to the shows that we need a bigger stage, perhaps a video screen, some more theatrical effects, which I am so into. Like I love the fog machine. My wife thinks it's so embarrassing, but I think it's so cool. Like when I bring out number five, the baby tortoise, and I introduce number five to all of his fans, like I have the fog machine. I think that's so cool. So I want to add more theatrical elements to the show, perhaps a better background. And we've already been in talks with the team at the village and that is in the works so for 2023 if you see us at the village at meridian you're gonna see more of an upscale production for the animal shows which i cannot wait so stay tuned for that we also actually i don't know if i'm allowed to say this maybe i can't say it but 
just stay tuned for other dates in 2023 where you can see the animals and I in person because it's not just going to be in Idaho. I may announce a summer tour. I may announce I'm not either confirming or denying, but I may announce a small summer tour where you are able to come out and see the animals and I. By the way, I love our live shows so much to see people in person, to get their reactions, to have people come up and touch our giant Python share con, to have people come up and say, oh my goodness, I've never seen something like an alligator snapping turtle in person which sounds super dangerous, which they are if they see them from a distance, or <laughs> to have people get kissed by Clyde the Camel. It is so awesome, and they're making memories, and I just, yeah. Anyway, I think it's so much fun, and especially during COVID, you know, we weren't able to do shows in person, and I realized how much I actually loved shows. So in June, you can expect a bigger, better show at the Village at Meridian. In July, I started construction on a project I've been wanting to do for uh, I think at least a year now and that is outdoor turtle ponds for my two snapping turtles. I have an alligator snapping turtle named Happy and a common snapping turtle named Snappy Pants and I also have two water turtles. I have a pink-bellied side neck turtle named Noodle and a red-eared slider named Seymour and I've always wanted to have four outdoor ponds. If you have followed my journey or have you've seen like the full animal tour video on YouTube, I initially had two outdoor ponds and one of those ponds, the large snapping turtle pond started leaking and the other pond that I had for my red-eared slider Seymour just needed to be revamped. And unfortunately for I think the summer of 21, the turtles minus Seymour of the red-eared slider were housed inside and I just wanted to get them outside. I just wanted them to get that natural sunshine, to have a waterfall. Like it's just always been a dream of mine. So in July, I decided to break grounds on the four turtle ponds on our property that my wife and I just bought. And I'll tell you what, it was a huge undertaking and I really put a lot on my plate because not only did I want to do the four turtle ponds, I also had planned to do outdoor exhibits, new outdoor exhibits for our green iguana Levi and my Savannah Monitor Savvy. I also wanted to build Topaz, our blue tongue skink, a new enclosure. I wanted to build another box turtle habitat outside. My hands were full and I think I learned to just focus on one project. Like I, I kind of was all over the place where I was buying supplies and, you know, working on the turtle ponds, but then I was also buying supplies for this other outdoor habitat that I had dreamed of. And I learned to just focus on one project, take one step at a time and get that finished because the turtle ponds took a lot longer than I expected because 99% of the time it was just me outside working and we just received an incredibly hot summer this year. I think we had 20 days in a row where we reached over 100 degrees. So in the mid-afternoon when it was 100, I tried to avoid that time because I would just roast like a lobster. So kind of limited with the temperatures, but it took a long time to build the turtle ponds and I didn't finish them until mid-August and get the turtles out. And I kind of felt like all this pressure, like, oh my goodness, like I got the turtle ponds done, but now I need to get Levi the green iguana outside and Savvy the Savannah monitor. And then yet I still need to finish the tortoise building because I haven't finished that. And it just, there was too much stuff. So I think I learned to just focus on one project, 
take it easy. And I'll tell you what, in 2023, I will focus on getting new outdoor habitats for Levi the green iguana and Savvy the savannah monitor. But I'm just going to focus on that. I'm not going to focus on a million other things. In August, I learned you never know who can help you or who can help you find a solution to a problem. Now that might sound really weird and it makes me kind of sound like a user. Like, how can I use people to help me? And that's not that's not what I mean. What had happened is our good friends who are electricians, Brian and Juanita, which I don't know, you may have seen them on my videos in 20, early 20, or no, late 2020, the alligator heaters went out in the alligator house and Brian and Juanita were like my rescue team. They came in and fixed the alligator heater. It was this big deal. Well, since Brian and Juanita had fixed the alligator heater, we became friends. They live pretty close to the alligators and we just kind of keep in touch and they're always there to help us with whatever electrical problems we have, or they're here to help us install electric for new projects. You know, for instance, we got that new building, the new tortoise building from Stormore Sheds in 2021 they helped install electric in that building because they're such nice people i told them they can come by with their family anytime and they can you know take a tour of the animals they can see the alligators whenever they want and it was in august i believe that i was giving their family a tour they had come up from utah some part, some members of their family we were in the alligator house and as if you watch the alligator house videos especially this summer you'll notice the alligator pool water was so dirty and the reason why it was dirty it was because i was having pump issues like of pumping the water out now initially my dad and i built a pump box it was a wooden pump box to protect the pump so i could put the pump in the pump box in the alligator pool because it's on sonny the alligator side and we needed to protect Sonny from the pump. We did not want him to bite the pump. We didn't want him to get electrocuted. It's a serious thing. So you have to protect the pump box. You have to protect the wires in the pool. Like there's just a bunch of things that go into it for this water pump. I can't just stick a random pump in the water and pump it out. And at the time I was having issues with the pump box. I had finally gotten into the alligator pool and realized that the pump box just needed to be redone. I needed something heavy duty. I needed a steel cage around this pump box because to be honest sonny completely destroyed the wooden one i made now if you're listening to this thinking wow putting a wooden box in the water like that doesn't make sense of course it's going to deteriorate yes completely understand that it was horrible planning on our part we at the time when we built the pump box, we're trying to get the alligators moved in and I needed a solution to protect this box. So my wooden pump box with the screen worked for at least a year, but it was time to replace it. And I remember as I was giving Brian and Juanita's family a tour of the alligator house, I remember telling them, I guess, expressing to them my frustration that, wow, I just need to find someone who can weld like a cage and make something for this pump box that's indestructible. And I remember Brian's son-in-law, John, was like, oh, I'm a welder. Like, I can make that for you. And I was like, wait, what? Are you serious? He's like, yeah. I, he's like, no problem. I have the material in the back. I can make you an indestructible box for the pump that Sonny can't get into. And I was like, no way. He's like, yes way. I could totally do this. And turns out a few weeks later they drove back up from utah with this specially made pump cage and it was 
such a nice gesture for them to just bring it up and to make this pump box and it has worked fantastic ever since we installed it and replaced the old one now if you're wondering if you do follow us online and you haven't seen footage of this there's a reason why i have not released that footage yet and that video will come out in 2023 but i just want to say i learned that you never know who can help you or help you find a solution to your problem so thank you john so much and once again you can look forward to that video where we jump in the alligator pool to replace the pump box in 2023. I learned in September that the people you used to watch on TV as a kid could one day become your friends in real life. That happened with me with my friend now, animal expert Jared Miller. Now, I'm not sure if you know who Jared Miller is, but back in I would say like the mid 2000s, he was one of the number one animal experts for The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Jared also appeared, I mean, all over the place on The Today Show. He appeared on like live with Regis and Kelly. Like, I mean, he did, this guy was everywhere and he was 10 years older than me. He got his start on Conan O'Brien back when he was in college. And long story short, I remember watching Jared's career as I was a kid and I remember I would watch Jared on The Tonight Show. And at that time, I was young. So I was probably like, I don't know, like 14, 15 years old. And Jared would consistently get booked on The Tonight Show. And I remember it was so frustrating for me because I had been on The Tonight Show, but I wasn't getting booked like Jared was. And it makes sense. I was a kid at the time. I didn't have as much experience with animals as Jared had. I mean, Jared got his degree in zoology, like blah, 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 blah. I just, we, he was just 10 years ahead of me. And I remember watching Jared thinking, man, I just be so cool to like connect with him one day. Cause we have so much in common. Well, turns out that happened. Uh, it happened. I believe I had him on my podcast about a year ago on this podcast. And then he reached out to me early on in the summer and said, Hey, I have an event coming up where I'm speaking and I'd love to feature some animals in Park City, Utah. Are you interested in you know, driving up and, you know, possibly helping me out and, you know, sharing a few of your animals. And I said, of course, like I would love to do that. So fast forward to September, my wife and I took a couple of our animals, including Happy the Alligator Snapping Turtle, Buddy the Burmese Python. He's almost, I think he's actually 12 feet. And then Irwin, my monkey-tailed skink, and also Bentley, my Brazilian rainbow boa, we packed them up in their travel carriers and we went to Park City, Utah and stayed at one of the most beautiful places I've ever stayed at in my life. We stayed at the Stein Erickson Lodge. It was stunning. Our room was huge. It had, I think, two fireplaces, a hot tub in the balcony. Like the animals each had their own bedrooms. Like this place was crazy. It had a kitchen. I have never been anywhere like that in my life. Anyway, we stayed up there. We met up with Jared, who I'd never met in person, and we just instantly connected, and it was such a good time. I also met some people that have now become friends from the Wildlife World Zoo and Aquarium in Arizona. They came up and um, brought some of their animal ambassadors for Jared's presentation, including a baby sloth. They had a armadillo. Uh, they had a caiman, which I a dwarf caiman, which I fell in love with, and. I just, I think they had a skunk too, which I can't believe this lodge let us stay 
you know, in these beautiful rooms and these suites with skunks, but whatever they did. Anyway, we met some great people and I actually met people that had worked with Jack Hanna for, you know, 30 years and provided animals for Jack shows. So it was awesome to connect with all these animal people who have now become friends. And it was so cool that, you know, that Jared and I were able to become friends and it was kind of, kind of surreal, you know, when you've watched someone for so many years and then I don't know, you're just hanging out having dinner. So it was really cool. And, you know, once again, it was awesome to connect with new animal people who share the same enthusiasm and passion for talking about animals and sharing them with other people. It was a great time. In October, I learned you can't overload yourself. And I do this every year, but once October hits, it's like the start of the holidays for us. And as a content creator, my mind goes a million miles a minute and I'm always trying to think of the next thing. I'm always trying to brainstorm ideas on what we can do. How can we switch this up? And, you know, once you hit harvest and Halloween, it just, it just blows up. Content creation is in full force. You're ordering costumes online and Amazon. You're making costumes for the animals. You're filming all these different things with pumpkins and your schedule just gets jam packed. And I always say this every year, I always say like, man, I need to like pre-tape stuff, but I really need to start doing that more because October, I just overloaded everything. It was our busiest month and it was just a lot. I mean, mentally it was a lot. It just, I mean, every day putting a video out and you know, it, it, it honestly is all worth it. Like, I mean, the, the videos have done great and we've got a great response from people, but I learned to not overload yourself. So I think going into 2023, I think I'll start pre-taping stuff, maybe even as early as July for Halloween. And just like, so when the, when the month gets here, I'm not just overloaded with trying to schedule film dates and all this stuff. So I learned to not overload yourself. I also learned how much I love Arizona after we had met the people from the Wildlife World Zoo and Aquarium in Arizona for Jared Miller's show, we just like, you know, connected really well. And one of the gals, Christy, the president said, you know, you guys should come down talking to my wife and I, she said, you guys should come down to Arizona and see the zoo. It's just incredible. You can go in with our sea lions. You can feed a pygmy hippo. You can film, you can do what you want. And I remember like, oh my goodness, like, we need to go to Arizona. So that night after they offered that to us, I think it was like one o'clock in the morning. My wife and I were up on our phones and we were like, should we buy our tickets to Arizona? And we were like, I think we should. I remember my wife was like, is that weird? Like, is that coming on too strong? I was like, no, not at all. Let's go to Arizona. So that night we bought our tickets to Arizona. And then the next morning when we saw them, we were like, hey, surprise, we'll see you in two weeks. And I'll tell you what, Wildlife World Zoo and Aquarium was so much fun. It was amazing. It was a huge park, like over a hundred acres full of, I think they have like over 4,000 animals, maybe even more, maybe it's 8,000. I don't know. So many animals and they just rolled out the red carpet for us. And I had such a good time. I was down there filming for the kids TV show Wonderama and they gave me like free reign of the zoo, which was amazing. I didn't have to cut through all this red tape and I don't know, some facilities, it's very hard to get behind the scenes tours or it's you have to go through certain levels of people to 
get access to certain animals and some facilities can be political and if you're in the zoo world you totally know how this is at the wildlife world zoo it was like come on back like you could do whatever like film whatever like it was amazing so thank you to christy and her team at the wildlife world zoo we will be back in november we headed to south africa and mozambique and it was the first time I had been to both of those countries, the first time my wife had ever been to Africa. And to be honest, I guess I should say like, when you go into a trip like this, you should not have expectations. And I think going into this trip, I didn't have many expectations, but I guess one thing I learned is you can't compare a place or an experience that you've had in the past to a current trip. As I was flying to South Africa, I couldn't help but compare that trip to Kenya because I had been to Kenya a few times back, you know, after I graduated college about 10 years ago. And I just kept on comparing everything to Kenya. It was like I kept on comparing this completely separate trip, you know, East Africa to this new trip in South Africa. And I learned that, man, going into it, you can't do that. And that the trip is going to be completely different and you can't have any expectations. And what I found is I absolutely loved South Africa. Like I fell in love with the place. And I'll tell you what, some of the game reserves I went to were some of the best wildlife viewing encounters I have ever had in my whole entire life. And I never thought I would fall in love so much with South Africa because I went into the trip thinking, well, we'll do South Africa, but I'll tell you what, Kenya is where my heart will always be. Well, I'll tell you what, my heart's in South Africa now and I cannot wait to return in 2023. My wife and I are planning to take my parents to South Africa and we cannot wait to visit and return to some of our favorite places. So I'd highly recommend South Africa. Mozambique was great as well. If you wanna see more of those videos, you can check them out on my YouTube channel and I will be releasing more Africa videos in 2023. I also wanna say, that on that trip, it was a little overwhelming with content because so much was going on. And I was like, so concerned about posting stories at certain times and like trying to involve my audience and, you know, taking them through every step of the way and everything that I did from drinking coffee during tea time to like, you know, here's our lodge, here's what I ate for dinner. It was almost too much. And I think some people enjoyed it. Like some people messaged me and said, oh my goodness, I'm, I love that you're taking us through every step of your way. I think going forward in Africa, I'm going to still share my experience, but I learned that I don't have to share every time I have a cup of tea or I don't have to film every time I have a cookie at tea time. Like, I think that's okay. Like, I think people get the point. So I think I might take a hair. I don't want to say I'm taking a hair step back. I just think I might go into Africa more with a plan next time and realize that I don't have to film everything I see and just share some of the highlights. And I think people would just be happy with that. And I think it would be better too for me to be more in the moment. So I'd say I also learned that as well. December was an amazing month and I learned that giving back is where it's at. And I guess I should have learned this back when I was in preschool. When you give back, you're supposed to feel great and warm all inside. But I'll tell you what, it really feels great to give back. And what happened was our friends at the Thomas Cattle Company, they donated 4,000 pounds of meat for the alligators. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with alligators, but it's going to take them a long time to eat 4,000 pounds of meat. Like I'm telling you, it's going to take years for them to eat 4,000 pounds of meat. And 
them to store that meat is kind of difficult because it becomes expensive because you have to rent out a cold storage place and we just didn't have the freezer space. So we actually ended up buying a brand new freezer along with the two other freezers we had and we still had all this meat left over. So instead of tossing it, which is something I never would do, we donated the meat to local animal friends in the community and it was so much fun to I don't know, to visit all these facilities and donate meat for their animals. We went to, you know, my friend Tyler at the Idaho Reptile Zoo and donated a few boxes of meat. He let me hold his crocodile, which is awesome. I'm obsessed with crocodiles. We were able to drop meat off to my friend Mady at the Animals and Distress Association in Boise. They deal with the mammals and a lot of the other local wildlife. So they deal with like the coyotes and foxes and badgers and squirrels and rabbits and bats. And we were able to donate meat. Did I say raccoons? Yeah, we're able to donate meat for the raccoons. We donated meat to the bird center, which takes in all the local birds. We were able to donate meat to the Idaho Black Bear Rehab, which is always in need of meat for their bears. And we were actually able to donate the rest of the meat to our friends at the World Center for Birds of Prey. They have 52 condors let me say that one more time. They have 52 condors on site. They have the largest population of condors in the world right in Boise, Idaho. And we were able to donate the rest of the meat to them, which watch out for that video in 2023. But it was so cool to give back, especially during the holiday season. And it was great to know that that meat was not going to go to waste. By the way, some people online uh, were very opinionated saying why was that meat not donated to humans and blah 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 and just a bunch of you know trolls and I'll tell you what I just want to say that that meat was past expiration for human consumption so it would have gotten people sick and also the Thomas Cattle Company donated over 400 pounds of meat to a local homeless shelter and that meat of course was not past expiration and I don't know if you've bought meat lately but meat is not cheap. It's not cheap like donating a bunch of canned goods. Like it's expensive and it's a luxury to eat meat in parts of the world. And they donated meat and they are a family owned business. And I just can't thank them enough for doing that for the community, not only for the animals, but also for people. So for all the haters out there who were mad that the alligators got 4,000 pounds of meat, get over it. The meat was expired. And that's the 2022 recap. What I learned, I hope you enjoyed it. I think going forward in 2023, I do have a few goals. You want to hear them? Here we go. Okay. My animal goals are to get new outdoor habitats for Savvy and Levi. So I will build those habitats and they'll be able to be outside this late spring and summer. So make sure to watch for that progress on my social media channels. Of course, I'll share every step of the way. I also hope to build new indoor habitats for our water turtles. So a big accomplishment this year is that we finished the new tortoise building and that houses some of our sulcata tortoises. We built shelves for the water turtles and in the wintertime, they're currently just in large stock tanks, you know, like stock tanks that people use for livestock. And I would like to replace those stock tanks with more naturalistic habitats or at least build up new habitats around the stock tanks to make them look more visually appealing and more enriching for the turtles. So stay tuned for that. I would love to do that. I would love to insulate the roof of the alligator house. I know that sounds ridiculous, but yes, we need to still insulate the roof of the alligator house. We lose a lot of heat in the wintertime, and I think if we were to insulate 
that roof, I think that would really, really help. We actually did not insulate it because we were worried about ventilation and we didn't want to get too much moisture in that building because then that would cause mold. But I feel like going forward with our 13 windows that we're able to you know, air out the alligator house. I feel like it would be fine if we were to insulate the roof of the alligator house. So stay tuned for that. That should be fun. I also hope to expand my audience online and even reach more people who love animals, who love watching, you know, my adventures with animals. Right now on YouTube, I am looking as of today, we have 1,673,105,965 views. So nearly 1.7 billion views on YouTube. I would love to get another billion views. Let's just say like 3 billion views in 2023. Fingers crossed. I would absolutely love that. Uh, currently, I am at 3.2 million subscribers. It would be amazing to get even more subscribers. So I'm going to set my goal to, I don't know, let's say 6 million subscribers in 2023. That would be amazing. I mean, you know what? Let's just go even for the stars. It would be amazing to get a diamond play button from YouTube. And I think you need 10 million subs for that. So let's put it out there. I want a diamond play button. Come on, let's reach for the stars. My goal is also to fill up our Africa trips that we have planned. My wife and I are going to host a trip to Tanzania in September 2023, a two-week safari where we get to see the beautiful Serengeti, get to go into the famous Ngorongoro crater, see a variety of different animals, and this is all during the Great Migration. So my goal would be to fill that Africa trip up and also plan more for the future. So if, by the way, if you're interested, if you want to help me reach that goal, if you're interested, go to my website, CorbinMaxi.com, click on the tab that says Safari with Corbin, and that will give you more information on how you can take a safari with me. Okay. With that said, I hope you enjoyed listening to this recap episode of 2022. I want to thank you for continuing to listen to the Animals to the Max podcast. It means the world to me. I just appreciate you more than ever. I wish you personally the best in 2023, and I cannot wait to share with you new podcast episodes. We'll get more guests on the show. We'll cover more animals. We have some really exciting things planned for 2023. Okay, that's it. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you in 2023. I think I said 2023 a million times. We'll say it one more time. Happy New Year. We'll see you in 2023. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.